real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Do you think direct provision should be abolished? The Office of the Ombudsman received more than 150 complaints from people living in direct provision centres last year. Currently at the moment, by the way, I think there's about nearly 7,000 people living in direct provision of some description. And uh, they included concerns about food facilities and standard of accommodation. And the Office of the Ombudsman examines complaints from people who feel they are being unfairly treated by the organisation that deliver public services. In its newly released annual report, the Watchdog revealed that it received 152 complaints from people living in direct provision in 2018. And the Ombudsman, Peter uh, Tyndall, says uh, there were higher levels of dissatisfaction from residents in new, newer centres compared to the more established ones. Uh, there were more complaints from residents about food, facilities and the standard of accommodation. The Ombudsman claims that the centres are unsuitable for longer term occupation and calls for a formal resettlement programme to be put in place. He also says that he was concerned about the number of asylum seekers who are being put into emergency accommodation such as hotels because of the unavailability of direct provision centres. Uh, over 6, 000, or 1,600 complainants were made on behalf of children uh, to the Office of the Ombudsman. And today I want to know if you think direct provision is unsuitable. There are constant calls to abolish it, with many people calling it inhumane. And a lot of people are going to say, well, this is going to be the Magdalene Laundries and the mother and baby homes, you know, in 20 years' time. However, there are other who be- others who believe, well, the system is needed, as we cannot have people coming into this country looking for asylum and being granted this automatically and just being given a house because they can't afford somewhere to live. If somebody's coming over here as an economic migrant or indeed a a genuine asylum seeker, they don't have any money, allegedly, so they can't afford somewhere to live. So what are we supposed to do? Give them like a three-bedroom gaff or something as soon as they walk into the country? How are you doing? I'm an asylum seeker. Yeah, there's a three-bedroom house for you. No, you can't do that either. So what are we supposed to do? Supply them with apartments? I mean, what sort of country do you think we're living in here? Do you think this is like the generation game or something like that? I personally believe that aside, yes, direct provision is not the ideal situation. Sure, I hated Butlins at the best of times. So it's not the best thing in the world. But if you're coming from a country where allegedly you're coming from civil war um, or, you know, you're in a really bad situation, you're an economic migrant and the majority are economic migrants who don't really have a right to be here. uh, You know, well, what are we supposed to do? I'm I'm going to use the term that beggars can't be choosers. My mother used to say it all the time. I mean, I understand it's not an ideal situation, but if you've chosen to do that and you've chosen to come to a country, you know, with no legal status in that country and invariably most are not genuine asylum seekers and you're hanging around for six or seven years and you've been refused on numerous occasions and you're still hanging around, you know, appealing after appealing, costing taxpayers a fortune... I mean, what do you want? Do you want the taxpayers to fund your house and give you a home? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know what people expect from our country. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I want to know what your thoughts on direct provision are. Do you believe direct provision should be abolished completely? Let me know what you think. Uh, the number is 087188 The only alternative, if you abolish direct provision, is that when people come to this country and claim asylum, is that we just give them a gaffe. Or we give them an apartment or somewhere to live. That's, that's, what's the other alternative to direct provision? I don't see an alternative. Let me know what you think. The number is 87 They are all constantly going to complain about it. Jude, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Jude? I'm not. How are you doing, buddy? 
Good. Jude, what, what is the alternative to direct provision? I mean, it's not ideal. I'm not suggesting, you know, I would like to live in direct provision. But what's the alternative? Um, Nile, you see, um, I know it's a, it's a tough one, but uh, it's not that as tough. What, what I'm um, suggesting here, like, as uh, you know, I've been here for uh, a little bit over 19 years in Ireland. And uh, uh, during this course of 19 years, uh, I've been... I've seen a lot of improvement in every sector of uh, of um, of uh, everywhere in in Ireland here. Um, I know that direct provision, this law that was made, I think 1990s, nothing like. Well, two, I, mean, I think it officially started in 2003. Direct provision, but go on, yeah. 2003. Yeah. No, I, think, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, that was uh, the first official direct provision centre, wasn't it? In 2003. No, no, no. No, like I, I, I remember visiting people before that. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not uh, 2003. Um, mm-hmm. The provision has been there before I came to Ireland. So I came to Ireland early uh, uh, 2000. So and the provision has been there because uh, somebody like me or some of my friends, we um, most of us involved in uh, sometimes, you know, like talking is a different thing. Maybe listening and visiting these people is something people worth doing. For example, um, uh, I've been involved in so many um, charities. For example, the next one is coming up now that I, I'm going to get involved with um, uh, um, uh, supporting my wife and some of the other women living in Ireland, running for consign consign on the on the on Bank Holiday Monday. So I will be there uh, mm-hmm. with my banner supporting the lady. So I've been I've been uh, kind of uh, visiting some of these. Um, this direct provision, especially during the festive oh, okay. time, like that. Well, well, just to clarify, by the way, I'm just I'm just checked it out here while you were talking. There, 1999 was the first direct provision centre, okay. uh, but okay. two, 2003 is when the law changed in relation to the anchor baby law, as we called it, which means that people were treated better in some sense then. Okay, uh, but it was 1999. But Jude, uh, not, see, I, I'm not by Jude. Like, Jude, can can, can yeah. we clarify that I don't? I I agree with you completely that it's not an ideal situation. You know, to be living in, you know, with your family, uh, possibly in one room with two beds, you know, and and having somebody else decide when you eat and all that kind of stuff. I understand it's not an ideal situation. But tell me what you believe the alternative is. Okay. Now, what I said, what I mean here, let me go back to what you just said about the time. It's like having a bus driver, right? A bus, but changing the driver. That's what it is since 1919 to 2003. Nothing has changed. So what I believe that should be done, which I know so many things that is implemented here in in Ireland, uh, um, been 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 so many so many so many things that is done here. Some of us, some of the stuff was um, people think about it here. Sometimes uh, uh, the people of Ireland borrow from US, borrow from so many places where they have similar problem and and find the solution to solve this problem. Now, for example, I believe somewhere like in Canada, sometimes when people come in. Uh, you don't lock because this is kind of a semi-prison. What you, I believe people should be done, if those people, you want them to stay here or direct provision, instead of locking them somewhere, giving them food, why don't we give them working permit to go and look for their own job, look for their own money, to pay their rent until their case is decided. Instead of locking people... But, but what, happen, yeah, but what happens invariably... Doing laundry for mm. them. Sorry? What happens yeah, in those situations? We did last year, obviously, the High Court rule that people can take certain jobs while they're in direct provision, right? Um, yeah. And they can. In direct provision now, they can work in certain jobs, certain sectors. And the reason why it's only certain sectors is because a lot of these people, we've no idea who they are. 
We don't know if they're guard vetted. We don't know if they're criminals. We don't know who they are. Do you understand what I'm saying? So some of them, not all of them, okay? So you have people who have been refused asylum. And we say, listen, we don't accept your asylum case. Uh, you have to go home. But they won't go home. They go, I'm going to appeal that. And I'm going to appeal it again. And I'm going to appeal it again. So invariably, if you turned around and said, we're going to give you a PPS number from the day you come into the country, you would be entitled to the same benefits that an Irish citizen would be entitled to, i.e. go on the housing list, get, you know, accommodation or a HAP scheme. We couldn't afford that. And that all that no. would do is encourage more people to come over here as economic migrants. No, uh, like what I mean here is reform. Those reforms, it cannot be free for all. Those reforms can be just tied down to... People, uh, no, it's not, for example, somebody like me, you lock me up for, for one year, I'll be dead. Because I, I, I'm somebody that I, I, don't, I keep moving. I don't like sitting in one place. I'll be dead if I be locked up uh, one place. To, you do my laundry, cook my food, do everything for me. Come on. It's, uh, uh, this is too, uh, this is, this is. I wouldn't, uh, uh, I, I, I agree. I'm agreeing with you, Jude. I wouldn't like to be living in direct provision. But then again, I'm not an asylum seeker. When I, if I went to a place, you know, if I went to America or to Australia as an economic migrant, I wouldn't expect the government to fund me when I got there. I wouldn't expect anything. If I was doing something technically that's illegal, I would expect to be sent back home again if I was caught. And the problem is, yes, we have genuine asylum seekers who are coming from genuine persecution, be it religious or otherwise. And yes, we have an obligation and we should pull out the red carpet. But the problem is, the majority are not genuine asylum seekers, Jude. They're economic migrants. And we can't sustain every economic migrant coming to Ireland. We just, we're a small little country. We can't afford yes. that. Yes, uh, that's, that's the point here. I, I'm not saying, like, some of us that are pay, uh, taxpayers, it makes our tax go up every time. But what I'm saying is that why don't we leave these people to go and, and, and look for their own job? And not that you're going to keep them... Well, what's the point? You can't do that. What's... What's the point in having... We have a, an emigration policy in this country. If you want to come to Ireland to work, like any other country in the world, be it America, Canada, Australia, you have to apply for a visa to work in a country. So if you turned around and said, well, then sure, let's just let asylum seekers work and give them a PPS number, well, then we might as well just not have an immigration policy at all. No, no, no. You know, um, when you are not in a position of things, you don't know how it works. You see, all this, all this uh, kind of uh, uh, saying that uh, anybody uh, you can w- uh, apply from working permit or working visa from other country. Do you know? Do you know how many discrimination Africans get on this type of thing? Now, this thing that you think is not working. If you check, Canada does it, and it works. But we, Canada but we, we can't, we can't solve the problems. But Jude, we can't solve the problems of Africa. Africa has its own problems, and and we can't, as a small little country with a small economy, which is growing, thankfully, we can't, you know, provide for anybody who wants to come from Asia or Africa or India, wherever it happens to be, where they want to come from, as an economic migrant. And that's that's what potentially most people are as economic migrants. Now, I'm not saying that you should solve problem of Africa. We shouldn't solve the problem of Africa, but let's not go there because the problem of Africa is caused, is caused by the West. I'm well aware of that. And the, West, and, and, and the West does have some level of responsibility to fix that problem. And by the way, Jude, we do you know, fund a lot of that problem. We spent $540 million last year in foreign aid. So in, in saying okay. that, and we're not the ones, by the way, you know, who, uh, who funded the arms uh, for a lot of the, you know, the, the, the different people in, in, in Asia and India and Africa and everyone else that's responsible for people dying. I mean, the Americans have a huge uh, role in that. So it's not our problem as such. But yes, yes. if we can help... Help, we can help. 
and I understand what you're saying. Now, now you see, yeah, you see, this is this is like telling people. For example, now, you, if if I come to your house and take your one thousand euros every month, I take your one thousand euros and giving you five euros from that, is that help? No, I'm stealing from you. I'm stealing a thousand euros and giving you five for back. That's what Europe and the, and the rest of them are, and the rest of the world are doing to Africa. So anybody telling me that is is uh, giving aid to Africa, that is bullshit. Because when you go now, for example, it was written on the paper last time that French French is taking four hundred something billion from the African countries that they colonize every year. Mm-hmm. I, dude, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not. Yeah. Ar- I'm not arguing with the way, about the way Africa has been treated no, by other co- by the West. Nobody is helping Africa. They are ruining Africa. They are the one who is causing the problem that is in Africa. But let, that is a topic for another day. Nile, what I want, what I, I, I suggest here is to reform it because you know if things is not working, like you 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 just said about how many people that that signed for this reform to be to happen. That means those people, like Nile, I I will encourage you one day. Go to some of those those places and look at those people and interview them. Then you might have different opinions, just like what you said last time when you are, when you interviewed when you talk to the soldier there. You have a different opinion after listening to him. But when we are sitting in one place, not like I am being, I've been involved in so many charity work, being in the hospital here, be everywhere. I go there whenever I have my time with my friends, with my with my Idato Union Island, which I represent here. We go there giving check. We are not rich, but small, small money we are having. Not only sending the check, but we visit people. And then we have different opinions. When I go to Africa sometimes, too, I do the same thing. But those things make me to have different opinions in what people say. But see, but you, you, Jude, you're missing the point. I am not disagreeing with everything you're saying. I'm not. But what I'm saying is there's a limit to what we can do. And when you have people here who are in this country illegally, illegally in this country, but constantly appealing our system so they can stay longer. There's a limit to what we can provide. You can't just turn around and say, well, let's just abolish direct provision and show everybody that's in it, 7,000 people currently at the moment nearly in, in direct provision. The rates that are actually climbing rapidly over the last couple of years. We're at record levels now. We're going to just, actually, well, look, we give them all an apartment and let them all work. Should, well, then what's the point in having immigration? Policies. No, Lila, I didn't say you should give them a point. Even if they well, have well, a well, you're not you're not giving me an alternative, Jude. You're telling me how bad direct provision is, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but no, you're not giving Nile, me an alternative. Nile, I gave you the alternative already. My alternative, I said it again. Let if them work. Apply. Yeah, leave them. Okay, but then, okay, what happens? Okay, okay, let me run with you. Let me go with this. So we give them a PPS number and say, okay, far away, you can work, right? Okay, which I don't believe we can do because a lot of these people, we've no idea who they are, right? So there's limits to where we can allow people to work. We've already done that. And the majority still aren't working. So let's say, let's say 20% of them get a, a good job where they can sustain themselves, right? What about the other 80%? What are we going to do with them? No, there is, there is so many jobs here in Ireland, especially this time around. I'm, a, I'm asking you a question, Jude, and you're not answering me. So let's say, we, let's say we go with your idea and we allow people to work. So let's just say 20% sustain themselves with a good job. All right, they're taxi drivers or whatever they happen to be, right? And they can sustain themselves, they can afford rent, they can afford to buy their own house. What about the other 80%? Do we have to give them a house? Do we have to provide them with an apartment? Do we have to provide them with social welfare? What What do we do? Now, when you are in 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 you, that your radio station now, when these things are not working the way you want it, or there is petition that your radio station is not working well, what will you do? You go back to the drawing boards. 
and try to see where and where are you not doing well. And then you try to fix it. That is the way, that is the progress we are talking about. Now, uh, if... Yeah, but we have to do that ourselves. We can't put our hand out and say to the government, give us money to fix the radio station. Now, I, I'm giving you an analogy. I shouldn't give you... Um, I just give you because you work in that radio station. I'm just what saying. I, okay, okay, okay. We're, we're not we RTE. <laughs> what we need to do here, Nile, is this, right? There is a cap for everything. For example, if they give you working paper, working uh, documents, say you must sustain yourself, proof of sustaining yourself within one year, they gave you, or two years. All these things are reformed. Not, it, cannot, it cannot be here 10 years and, uh, and not... Uh, walking and uh, no, uh, you're not doing anything and they let you even if you're appealing it they say after five years if you don't get things you're doing if your case is not decided then you have to leave the country that way well, we've kind of tried that Jude and people just won't go well stay there for a second Jude okay I do understand what Jude is saying I do understand the point he's making about direct provision it's not an ideal situation but what's the alternative Pat you're on Classic Kids how you doing Pat yeah. uh, Pat what you know, is, what's the alternative but do you know what? I don't know what the alternative is, but I will say this much: if you ever want, if you want to do something about it, uh, you know, the first thing you do is tra- you, you track the money. Okay, who's benefiting from these direct provision centres? Well, the contract companies them? that are running them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's in their interest. It's in, in it's in solicitors, solicitors, barristers, the whole lot, the whole legal profession. It's a, it's, a, it's an industry it. now. It is an industry, and I'll tell you, there's no way you're going to reform it <laughs> until. You know, the legislation will be needed to reform it. And that's not going to happen because, you know yourself, everyone, they all have an agenda. They've all got the... Uh, it's horrendous. You know, the system, for somebody to be able to come into this country illegally, okay, and to be in the country and to cost millions in legal fees and still be here 10 years on. 85, 85% of people who are given deportation orders are still here. You know, if they were given deportation, I'll tell you, that is not a decision that's taken lightly now. I know for a fact. It's not a decision that's taken lightly to deport somebody. But, not, but the know, problem is, we, we tell people we're going to deport them, but we don't actually deport them. Yeah. We don't, they're still you here. Know, you know the point that you're on, and it's a point that I've always, I've always made in relation to people coming into the country illegally. Now, I will stress that illegally. You, the situation there, that taxi driver, for instance, there a few weeks ago, he, he was always given a six-year sentence for raping three women. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was from where he was in whatever India, Pakistan, or whatever. You know, he was in the country illegally initially. Well, he came. He would have oh, come yet, here. Maybe come here. So yet, I don't know his background when he came he here. Able, asylum seeker. Yeah, he was able to get. A, he was able to get a, a, a PSV license. Now, if you go as a citizen of Ireland uh, and you go and you apply for that, you're going to be vetted, okay? And if you have anything in your in your background, you are not going to get a PSV license. But you can't vet people you don't know. You know what I mean? Well, well, that's, why, well, that, well that's why when the High Court last year said that people in direct provision could work, there were limits to what jobs you could work in. Because obviously yeah. we, we don't know, who, many of them we don't know who they are. No, I'm limited. If I don't go, if I want to go and work with children, for instance, I have to be guarded vetted. Yep. Well, I have limitations. Why shouldn't other people have limitations? Well, that's, there is limitations. You know, exactly. Yeah. You're, limited. You're limited to what you can do. You can't go out tomorrow and, and take a And work in a crash. You know I mean? yeah. yeah, you can't do it. You know, <laughs> it's like to, And you can, and you can. But okay, but well, what, what about what Jude is saying, just because before we went to the break, Jude is saying that it's not fit for purpose, that it's treating people inhumanely 
you know, who have come from other countries who well, may... Well, depends on... Look, it is, it's not a great system, no, I will say that. But, you know, this is dependent on people's expectations, where they come from. And, so are you, you know, saying they should have a level of gratitude? To, to a certain degree, I mean, anyone... If you're, if, you know, I was looking into a situation where we could have had in this country years ago. And, and I, I say this, you know, as a, you know, we could have been overrun with the English, you know, and the, the unions coming from the north down, and we could have been in the same situation as, you know, these war-torn countries. It's, it, it very easily could have happened, though. I know it might sound, sound fair, but the only reason in my mind is the fact that we have so many Irish-Americans, and it wouldn't have been allowed. Okay, listen, I have to take a break. Uh, keep texting, by the way. Richie says, can't we all just love one another? Borders are a crime against humanity. People of all different cultures are inherently good. We have nothing to fear, except white privilege, of course. Anyone who thinks differently or opens, their ish- uh, opens the issue to so-called debate is a racist. Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. In other words, what he's saying is we're not even allowed to have the discussion about it. Well, we're having a discussion today. Um, and Jude believes that direct provision is inhumane. It's wrong. And there should be some alternative way of dealing with people who come to this country. The, the facts and figures speak for themselves. The majority of people who come from outside of Europe into this country illegally when they come into our border with no papers, no passports in some cases, and no right to be here and claim asylum, um, because that would be their status then after they come here illegally, um, are not actually coming. They don't qualify as asylum seekers. The majority are economic migrants. It's like me deciding I don't have a job in Ireland, I think I'll go to America, or I think I'll go to Australia, or I think I'll go to Canada, or whatever it happens to be. It's exactly the same thing. The difference is that if I went there, I'm not going to get looked after by the state. But Ireland has a responsibility and a duty to look after asylum seekers, those who are genuine. Um, In direct provision, there are 7,000 people. The majority are economic migrants. They're not asylum seekers. They claim to be asylum seekers. Uh, we will give them deportation orders and we decide you're not an asylum seeker, you don't qualify, go home. And they don't go home. They stay in direct provision for years on end. And it's not good, particularly if you've got children. Well, there is complaints constantly about direct provision and the suggestion is that we should abolish it and come up with some other plan to deal with asylum seekers or those waiting the asylum process. So what do we do? What's the answer? Is direct provision unfit for purpose? Is it inhumane? Should it be abolished? Let me know what you think. The argument is that if you make it nicer or better, all you're going to do is encourage more people to come here. Now, how do you get a flight directly from Africa to Ireland without having a passport? Well, you can't because if the airline, you know, lets you on with no passport and papers or visa uh, to come to a country or don't check you in some way, they can be fined. Um, the majority of people who come into Ireland as asylum seekers don't actually come directly from the countries that they're meant to come from, which invariably doesn't qualify them as asylum seekers because you can't, as far as I know, there are no direct flights from Lagos to Dublin. Maybe there is, I don't know. Uh, but in saying that, the majority of asylum seekers from many other countries that are outside the EU don't come to Ireland directly. They go to London, they go to France, they go to other European countries and then come to Ireland when they get refused in other countries. So which means that we don't have any obligation legally from that point of view. And I'm sure you're aware of that, Jude. Uh, we don't legally have an obligation to take people in as asylum seekers if they come from another country apart from the country they originally came from, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I do. I do understand you. But uh, um, uh, it's, um, it's, it's not um, when somebody is here and you, didn't, you want to find out where they're coming from and they, they didn't tell you or whatever. Um, and 
to correct what you're saying, yeah, there is a there is a direct flight from Ethiopia to Ireland. Uh, there wasn't uh, there isn't a direct flight from Nigeria to to Ireland. So, so so if there's no direct flight from Nigeria to Ireland, a Nigerian asylum seeker doesn't actually have a right to claim asylum in this country. So how why so on that note, why why are we even talking about so for example Nigerian asylum seekers? Because according to the rules, um, uh, the refugee um, amendment to the Geneva Convention, I think it was, you must go to the first safe port. Ireland is not the first safe port. There are lots of countries nearer. We're not the first safe port. So we don't really have an obligation, although we do tend to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in in saying that, if we make it more attractive, when I say more attractive, you know, I mean, I'm not saying we we do feed people, we do clothe people, we do educate people, we do give them health care, we do put a roof over their head. It's not ideal. But But if you were to say, well, let's give everybody an apartment and allow them to claim social welfare, should we be overrun tomorrow with people coming to Ireland? No, I never say that. You know, I never say that. I told you the, the type of reform I want. I never say because giving people uh, everything for free, I, I'm against that. And the what, uh, what else I'm against? I'm against people who is able, who doesn't want to go to work, who doesn't work, and the state is taking care of them. I'm against that as well because I walk my I walk myself out all every day trying to put food for my uh, on the table for my children. So uh, myself. So I'm just I'm never I never say that people should get free for all. I said that there is a lot of petition, according to what you just read there before, that so many people were writing a petition against the treatment of these people. Then that means they have a genuine case. And what will we do? I believe that we should look after it and see if there's a reform to be done on, on those sectors. Okay, okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, hang on, because Derek, you're in class against Derek. You were in direct provision for seven years. Yes. And what, how did you end up in direct provision for seven years? Well, it was about the system being slow at that time. You know, during those times, it was dealt by the civil servants. And where, where, where did you come from? Russia, was it? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm guessing. Sorry. <laughs> no, Mozambique. Mozambique, okay. okay you, don't, you don't sound like you're from Mozambique, okay. So, okay, so you came from Mozambique. And how did you get to Ireland from Mozambique? Well, I was in Ireland before. The situation changed where I was in Ireland anyway. Right, okay, so you were in Ireland, you went back to Mozambique, and you came back to Ireland again. No, 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 I was still in Ireland. Okay, but, but when, when you originally came to Ireland and claimed, I, I'm assuming you claimed asylum. No, I didn't. Okay, what were you doing in direct provision, though? Well, I'd seek asylum at that time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you, you were seeking <laughs> asylum. So when you came to Ireland and, and you, you were seeking asylum, how did you get to Ireland? What, what co- other country did you come from to come to Ireland? You didn't come directly from Mozambique. There's no flights from Mozambique to Ireland. Ethiopia. Ethiopia? Yep. And could you not claim asylum in Ethiopia? No. Why not? It wasn't my intention at that time. It wasn't your intention? Yeah, it wasn't my intention at that time. But that's not the way the rules work. The rules of claiming asylum means you claim asylum in the first country you go to. In the safe country. Yeah, safe country, yes. But I was on transit. My destination was Ireland at that time, and it wasn't my but that's not the way. But, but, that, but that's not in. the way it works. That's not the way. That's not the way asylum, the asylum process works. The asylum process no. claims that you must claim, you must claim asylum in the first safe country. Yes, but my intention when I was coming in, I was, I was coming in for work. You understand? But the situation changed while I was in here. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you can't just up. yeah, but you can't just go to a country to work without having the proper papers. I did. 
I know you did. <laughs> I'm just saying you can't. Yes, I did. But I that's did. not the way it works. Okay, so I did have everything. Okay, so you spent seven years there, and yeah. and why were you so long there? Were you were you refused asylum? No, the process was different at that time. In in those early days, it was different. One day, what, when? How long on, ago was that, Eric? By the way, when was that? What year? Uh, that was nineteen ninety. Oh, sorry, two thousand and three to two thousand and. That was around two thousand and nine. Yeah, but it, okay, so it didn't take seven years for your application to be reviewed. It was first on uh, waiting for the high court judgment. Okay, so the point was okay. Okay, well, I know. I need. I just need to clarify the facts. I'm not having a go with you, Derek. I just want to clarify the facts. So it didn't take seven years for an application to to be reviewed. You ended up going to the high court. So I'm assuming then you appealed it. Yes, I appealed. Yes. Okay, so the point is, you you had numerous appeals. So no, you, that was the first appeal. Okay, but the point was, yeah, and you had to wait for the high court, which takes time to get a date in the high court. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the point was, the system didn't fail you. You appealed the system. No, no the the system didn't fail me. Yeah, you appealed the system. You you. The, I appealed the system. Okay, so the, your initial application was rejected. Yes, it was. Because they didn't believe you were a genuine asylum seeker, so you then decided, I'm going to take a high uh, court case. But it was granted on the high court. And and how did how did you fund or financially fund the high court? Because that's expensive. You got free legal aid. Uh, there's pro bono and there's uh, you got yeah you got free legal aid. Yeah yeah. Okay, so you came to Ireland. You were told we don't believe you're a genuine asylum seeker. You then spent seven years waiting for a high court case. Yes. Paid for by the taxpayers of this country. Yes. Did you win the case? Yes, I did. Okay, so, and then they decided you were allowed to stay. Yeah. But do you see where the problem is in that whole situation? That, that was your well, choice to come to the Ireland. Issue, the, the issue here, you ask, is the direct provision fit for purpose? All right? Yeah. That was the question, right? Yeah. Yeah. At first, it wasn't. But in the past three years, I've been there, I've seen what was happening then, and I've seen what is happening now. But what is happening now things have much more improved than that was time. I mean, than those days, you understand? People have got the right to work. We never had, we never had the right to work. But, you, but, but you should have, but the whole point is, Derek, you should have never spent seven years in direct provision. It's not meant, you're not meant to spend a long time in it anyway, right? I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. But that was your decision. That was your decision to do that. When, when you were rejected, you would have been deported now, if, if you now, had not have appealed it. Now, now. You've given, you, are give, you are given chances, three chances. First of all, you, 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 you start with the asylum process. Then you go to appeal process, and then you go to the minister. You understand? Mm-hmm. It used to take long years before you get to that extent. But nowadays, if you appeal, if you put in your asylum, if you seek asylum today, within six months, you are through. You if know, you well, yes, you'll know one way or the other whether you can stay or not. Yeah. No, even if you do one way or the other, it won't work. It won't work. The system was, you see, in 2014, 2015, they gave amnesty to most of the people who have been here for five years, more than five years. And all that people we have now, after that, they changed the rules. You only apply for asylum once. If they refuse you, they refuse you. There's no nothing of you going to appeal on this way or appeal on that way. It's only the minister who can change or who can give you that. Well, we're still seeing some cases going to the High Court as well, by the way. But in saying that, Derek, you 
in your situation were refused asylum, as many people are now, but 85% of people who were refused asylum and given a deportation order, they're not sent home. They are. They're, that's the facts were in the paper the other day. 85% of deportation orders are actually not acted upon. But who's supposed to be sending the people? Is it not the government who's supposed to be doing well, the that? Guard the Guardi. The Guardi That's their responsibility, but they're not but doing But they're not doing this. If they don't have enough funds, do you think they can make it? They can do it. I don't know why they're not sending people home. They have to. And, have and when, when you came from Mozambique, in England, well, well, in, England, in England, they have their own flights. They book their own flights. In here, if they don't have the money, they use the commercial flights. But they're not sending them home. 85% of the people who got deportation orders are still here. Then they need funding. Okay, but do, do me a favor. Stay there for a second, Derek, if you can. I'm uh, speaking to Derek here from uh, Mozambique, who came here and he was in direct vision for seven years because obviously he took a high court case. Uh, keep texting. Uh, the number is 87 Is direct provision fit for purpose? Stay there for a second, please, Derek, if you can. Uh, I want to just go to Siobhan. Siobhan, you're on Classic Hits. Now, Siobhan, I'm looking at my screen, and it says, Siobhan says, someone who is as, as enthusiastic to work should be made legal. We need to have a more inclusive society. And Siobhan, I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but that's how the visa process works, isn't it? Uh, I'm not against them. Um, how will I put it? Now, it's got so complicated and we've got so little time left on the clock. But I'll just say that I was very sympathetic to Jude's plight. And this is the real problem, that when people present, they're actually dictating the policies then, claiming that they are an asylum seeker, if you like, self-identifying as an asylum seeker and expecting to be treated as such, rather than for them to be interviewed and processed in a proper way. You asked the question if, it, if um, the um, detention, what do you call it? Direct provision um, is fit for purpose, center, yeah. Yeah, it was fit for purpose. Well, it's actually, they're spoiled in it because the other extreme end of the continuum is that it would be a detention centre where people are actually arrested uh, when they present. But they do that in Australia, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, well, you're they do it in America away. too, I believe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're kept away from the normal population. You're not allowed mix and mingle, whereas they've had a lot of freedoms and they are provided for very well. But as the other hand is, the long process now, it must be soul-destroying for anyone who is... But the process isn't long. See, here's the problem, Siobhan. They, they all claim the process is long. People are saying, oh, I'm in direct vision 10 years, or I'm in direct vision 7 years or 8 years. The process isn't actually long at all. The process is quite short. The problem is they appeal it. They don't accept the decision. And they know but, if they appeal it, they can stay. Yeah, well, you see, again, Niall, again, I know it's, it's an industry. There's uh, the people in the accommodation, the catering, the lawyers, they're all making money out of this. We can't entirely blame uh, people exploiting a system that's already there, that's professional. Well, then how do you, you deal? Like. Well, how do you deal? And, and I agree with you. Yes, I, I love an inclusive society. And yes, if people want to work in Ireland, they should be able to work in Ireland, provided, like me, if I went to America or Australia or Canada, I go to a system. If I want to go to work in America, I have to go into the American embassy and prove to of them that I'm, that I, I'm capable have- of doing a job that an American is not capable of doing. Yeah. Well, you see, if you get a young person um, who is in a destitute situation and there really is nothing for them to go back to, how do you humanely approach that? I mean, it's very easy to mm. approach it from a young person's point of view. Uh, but no I don't family. agree with you, Siobhan. There's a lot of young people in Ireland who may not want, be able to get a job they particularly want in this country. It may not be suitable for them, whatever their skill is. They can't just go to America or go to Australia because there's Americans and Australians, Australians who want those jobs. The same way there's Irish people here who want particular 
particular jobs. And we can't just allow anybody into the country just because they're an economic migrant to come yeah. here willy-nilly. We have we have a, a policy, an immigration policy. Should if should we just scrap it altogether? Well, I'm told you know. not. But when they arrive now, we all know that they're not being deported. And unless then you arrest them when their case is denied, that's the only way you're going to get control. Is but so we're not allowed them. to do that. Because as yeah. soon as we start to do that, we have a handful of NGOs in this country who are funded by the state who will go bonkers and say, oh, you can't treat people like well, that. Well, of course, you abolish the NGOs immediately. Stop funding that because that's another layer of bureaucracy that's funded by the taxpayer. The taxpayer is paying for everything. But at the same time, if you're going to have an approach, you have have to have a strong leadership and direction. But I still say that there are individuals who could make a valuable contribution to the country. Like okay, I, and by the way, just very quickly, because I want to go to Seamus as well, but Derek from Mozambique. Derek, are you yes. are you currently working in Ireland now? Yes, I am. Okay. and I run my own business. Okay, and well done to you. Congratulations. And I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you're sustaining yourself. But there are many people who are not sustaining themselves, who have come to this country. Do you believe a country should have borders, Derek? It has borders. Yeah, when has I say borders, borders, immigration policy. Yes, they have immigration policies. But you just you just came here and you just decided I want to go to Ireland. Uh, I'm going to claim asylum, even though I don't fit the criteria for asylum. I wasn't meant to come and claim asylum, but situation in my country changed where I was already here. But so I couldn't go back. But you. But when you say you couldn't go back, why couldn't you go back to Mozambique? Because the political situation had changed. But was your life in danger? Yes, my life was in danger. I, I don't think... Can I just say one thing before you wrap up the show now? Well, I, I, I actually, I have to go to Seamus just before I wrap up the show because he's waiting ages. Sorry, Seamus, go ahead, you're on Classic Kids. How are you, Niall? I'm just kind of sick and tired of listening to all these PC doers, to be honest with you. This country has 10,000 people of its own people, practically, uh, homeless, okay? The government, uh, Maratkar and Simon Coveney, have their heads so very far up, so far buried up the, the European asses. It's incredible. So really, they're on the payroll... The lawyers in the whole situation here in this country are all on the payroll, rather akin to the uh, criminal system that's so lenient that they want the criminals to go in and out the door so they can keep getting paid. It's corrupt beyond belief. So uh, to be honest with you, we've been, for a small nation of four and a half million people, we're on a tiny island on this planet, we have been over uh, uh, accommodating and, uh, and generous to the, to the world at large. And it's time to start closing those doors. And those people need to start voting for people who are against this mass immigration. Not for the haters of uh, people who are outside and, and, and being persecuted. I mean, when you look at Africa, you know, look at the Yemeni children uh, starving to death next door to their uh, billionaire, uh, barbaric Arab neighbours. You know, do you see them handing out to the, they open, they're opening the doors of friendship and, and offering help? No, not at all. This is, if this is an African problem or an outside Europe, uh, an ex- uh, a, a, a problem external to Europe, it's not our problem. We are a small fish, fish in a very big bowl, and we cannot sustain all of this uh, influx. Um, I'm against this, and uh, I think many other people are. They're just, and unfortunately with Ireland, you know, and Irish people, they're too afraid to open their mouth and say the truth. They're, they're being taught by our so-called leaders, Varadkar and Colby, to say yes, yes to Europe, yes. Well, I, mean, I think I think that, that we've seen more recently, if you object to um, what are economic migrants, you're called a racist. Well, you're called you know, a racist. And, and it's, it's not racism to object to protecting your borders and to want to protect your borders. I mean, absolutely, if people are coming from persecution or their lives are in danger, we have, a, you know, on humanitarian grounds, we have some sort of obligation to help people. But when you're talking about the majority, which are economic migrants, we don't, we shouldn't have a legal obligation. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.